Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 18th, 2007. This podcast is being recorded during the Society of Critical Care Medicine's 36th Critical Care Congress here in Orlando, Florida. I'm Dr. Richard Savell. In today's podcast, we are joined by Dr. Jalali Anand, MD, who will discuss a study on epinephrine versus norepinephrine for septic shock presented during the Congress session update on clinical trials in severe sepsis, and we will be having a discussion today on best pressors for the critically ill patient. Dr. Anand is a professor of critical care at the Hôpital Raymond Poincaré in Garches, France. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Dr. Anand, there are uh, multiple areas that we could talk about, but I thought we'd begin by getting a little bit of your perspective on the current recommendations from consensus statements that the best presser for patients with severe sepsis syndrome and septic shock should be considered norepinephrine or dopamine. But as you and I were talking about before, uh, your perspective on some of the important data from the SOAP uh, trial is uh, interesting, and I thought we'd let you talk about that a little bit. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> um, you, as you may know, the SOAP has two uh, limbs. The first limb was an uh, epidemiological core study of patients with uh, severe sepsis or other critical illness requiring pressors. And in that particular study that was conducted in Europe, it was shown that patients who actually received dopamine had a higher risk of death than patients who were treated with any other type of vasopressors. More recently, the same group uh, ran a multi-center randomized clinical trial comparing in critical patients with shock norepinephrine versus dopamine. And so far in that study, more than 1,000 patients have been included and there was no evidence for any difference in 28-day mortality or ICU mortality rate in between the two groups. So it seems likely, although that particular trial is not yet finished, it seems likely that uh, this trial will end up with uh, no evidence for a difference of, between norepinephrine and dopamine. Well, as Dr. Uh, Jean-Louis Vincent said to me in the podcast about this, it was a hypothesis-generating study, and therefore they're trying to determine if the hypothesis is true or not. Yeah, indeed. Um, but one of the other points that uh, you and I had spoke about before, nevertheless, is that the role of low-dose dopamine still is not 
recommended for the average practicing intensivist, correct? Yes, I think that uh, almost everyone now agrees that uh, low-dose dopamine should no more be used um, to uh, prevent or to prevent renal dysfunction or improve renal function in critical patients. One of the questions I had for you was, um, during my fellowship and in practice now, uh, phenylephrine is used reasonably frequently as an effective uh, peripheral vasoconstrictor, but it's my understanding that it is not used routinely in Europe, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit perhaps about the history of that from your perspective. Yeah, actually, phenylephrine is a purely alpha agonist and a potent vasoconstrictor, as you mentioned. And indeed, it is perceived such as such, as such in Europe. And because of the fact it is purely an alpha agonist, people are reluctant using this drug in patients with severe sepsis, as in other critical illness. In terms of concerns that there may be um, a decreased cardiac output as part of the severe sepsis itself, and therefore you may be doing some detriment? Yeah, pe- people are afraid uh, or are concerned by decreasing cardiac output as a result of uh, a too high increase of afterload, but also uh, are concerned about potential side effects on the skin uh, with necrosis of the skin or even the gut. Well, this is sort of a fundamental, important philosophy, especially when you're teaching residents and medical students, that mean arterial pressure does not equal flow. And I think that's an important point, right? Absolutely. Uh, mean arterial pressure never equals flow. And uh, it's not because a patient has a mean arterial pressure above 70 millimeters of mercury that actually uh, his retinal blood flow is okay. Right. Fixing the number on the screen may not be as uh, beneficial as one might imagine. Or definitely not. One of the um, other important points that I know you wanted to speak about, and you can feel free to take a little time with this, is the role of norepinephrine versus epinephrine, perhaps some of the data behind that. And again, as I was discussing with you before, uh, certainly epinephrine is not used as a routine presser, except in the examples that you and I talked about before, I guess, of either um, anaphylactic shock or uh, during CPR, obviously. That's very interesting because I guess epinephrine is a very very bright drug, if I can say that, because uh, that particular drug is combining uh, beta effects and alpha effects. And the data available so far, uh, also in the short term, nicely demonstrated that when one treats septic shock patients with low cardiac output, epinephrine increases mean arterial pressure mainly by increasing cardiac output. However, in patients with already high cardiac output, when they receive epinephrine, epinephrine will increase fervor, mean arterial pressure, by increasing systemic vascular resistance without changes in cardiac output. So it sounds like that drug uh, is uh, balanced uh, the beta effects or the alpha effects according to the patient's status being low cardiac output or high cardiac output. So I think that makes these drug drugs of choice in, in severe sepsis or septic shock. And can you differentiate again, just for perhaps fellows or residents that are listening in, the specific uh, theoretical differences between epinephrine and norepinephrine from, yeah. a, from a critical care standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Actually, norepinephrine is alpha agonist, 
and has little beta-1 agonist effect. Epinephrine is both alpha and beta-1 and beta-2 agonists and thus may act on, as an inotrop, as a vasoconstrictor by acting on alpha uh, receptors on the vessels, but also on the microcirculation by activating beta-2 receptors, it can improve flow. And um, in terms of uh, switching gears from a, a theoretical and a mechanistic approach to some of the outcomes data, which might help to uh, show that, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, have uh, conducted a multi-center trial in France uh, in which patients were randomized to receive either norepinephrine, potentially combined to dobutamine when cardiac output was low, or randomized to receive epinephrine. 330 patients were randomized, and the primary outcome was 28-day mortality. In that study, there was no evidence for a difference in 28-day mortality in between patients treated with epinephrine and treat patients treated with norepinephrine. Moreover, there was no evidence for a difference in hospital mortality or 90-day mortality. We also looked in this particular study at the hemodynamic effects and whether norepinephrine may restore more rapidly mean arterial pressure or a stable hemodynamic status than does epinephrine. And actually there was no difference in the time to reach a, sta a stable hemodynamic status in between the two treatment arms. So again, there was no evidence for a difference or a superiority of norepinephrine over epinephrine in terms of mortality or hemodynamic status. So from your standpoint, um, and, and please help, help me out here, is epinephrine used fairly routinely for patients with severe sepsis and septic shock? In Europe, it's about 15% in the SOAP study, about 15% of patients were receiving epinephrine. And uh, one thing that may uh, uh, result in a higher use of, uh, or in more frequent use of epinephrine is the fact that the randomized trial didn't show any uh, harm from epinephrine compared to norepinephrine. And also, epinephrine uh, is able to act both on cardiac output and on systemic vascular resistance, and thus with a single drug, you may combine a vasoconstrictive effect and an inotrop effect. While in, with norepinephrine, if a patient is in need of an inotrop, you need a second drug. That means also a second line. So, so norepinephrine, though, I mean, just to correct it, but norepinephrine is not the pure peripheral vasoconstrictor of phenylephrine. There's some inotropy, but your point is is that epinephrine is a more—it's a real significant inotropic effect. Were there issues with tachycardia uh, concerns when, with the epinephrine versus norepinephrine? That's very interesting because we carefully check the occurrence of tachycardia or of arrhythmias in these patients uh, in a double-blind manner and there was no increase in the rate of tachycardia or supraventricular arrhythmias or ventricular arrhythmias with epinephrine. 
And so just to reiterate, because I like to do that, you were saying in your study, it was they were comparing epinephrine versus norepinephrine plus dobutamine. That was the point. Is that right? Dobutamine was given... If there was a need for an inotrope. Absolutely. And your point is is that with epinephrine, you don't have to add... You did not add that inotrope. You, you, you don't add... You don't need add it. Because epinephrine is an inotrope. Okay. So you do not even care for the need of an inotrope. So it allows you to streamline therapy. Absolutely. Um, were there outcomes... So the, the purpose of this study was to show the lack of inferiority of epinephrine, correct? Absolutely. And you clearly showed that. Were there hints of it being more efficacious in any subgroups or anything like that uh, where you would recommend it? Actually, what we uh, we did is a cost-effectiveness analysis ah. because, uh, indeed, there was no uh, superiority in terms of efficacy. So when we looked at cost-effectiveness, we found that uh, norepinephrine was more expensive, resulted in a higher high CU cost than the use of epinephrine. And this was due not only to the fact that norepinephrine is about tenfold more expensive than epinephrine, but also related to the fact that in many patients, dobutamine was needed, so a second drug, and also to the fact that the use of a second drug implies the use of at least two intravenous lines and thus an additional cost. And finally, when using norepinephrine, you must follow or monitor cardiac output. And this also resulted in additional Increased cost. cost. Well, so this is very, uh, very important information that I would imagine in the future will be making its way into recommendations and guidelines. I think so. I thought we would uh, conclude today um, with some of your thoughts on vasopressin as an agent, um, just giving you a typical my use of it and most intensivists is sort of a presser of last resort. I've got a patient who's incredibly sick, maxed out on norepinephrine. I've added phenylephrine and now I'm adding vasopressin. And I know that's trouble because almost always, no matter what you do in those kinds of patients, the outcome is not necessarily great. And I know that there's some important work being done now to see if there's any actual advantage to using vasopressin or are you merely exchanging one presser for another? If you'd like to take it from there. First point I would like to make is vasopressin is not a rescue therapy. If vasopressin has to be used, it should be used early in the course of the treatment of patients. And this statement relies on the fact that the largest randomized trial conducted so far, the VAST trial from Canada, from Canada showed that the benefit of vasopressin was seen in the patients who receive the lower doses of norepinephrine. That so that would be the 0.01 to 0.04, or even that would be the yeah, sepsis recommended absolutely, doses? Absolutely, yes. So it's definitely not a rescue therapy, but should be used in patients who received low dose of norepinephrine. In that patient's vasopressin allows to to uh, stop early norepinephrine and to avoid all detrimental effects of catecholamines in these patients. Um, and did you want to make any comments on whatever you know about some of these randomized trials coming out from Canada in terms of um, is it leading to improved outcomes or is it literally 
as efficacious or, or do you have any comments on that yet? I think that um, what we know from from data that have been released in meeting and uh, in, in the annual uh, meeting of the SEC and this year is that uh, uh, this trial showed actually that vasopressin is at least as efficient than norepinephrine to treat patients with septic shock. Uh, that is as safe as uh, norepinephrine. And in the patients, in the less in the less sick patients, in patients who receive between five to fifteen mics per minute of norepinephrine, the addition of vasopressin allows the premature termination of norepinephrine and improve global outcome of the patient. Because there's the you know. Uh, Working in a surgical ICU, the concern for splanchnic vasoconstriction is always looming in the background with the use of vasopressin. But obviously, that doesn't seem to be coming out uh, in these studies. Absolutely, they they looked at the uh, uh, splanchnic circulation in some patients, and they did not show any uh, difference. They also looked differently at our SOFA score and the SOFA liver score uh, that was not different uh, in vasopressin treated patients. Well, it, it seems from my podcast with Dr. Um, Jean-Louis Vincent and my podcast with you that, that the more one looks into the real data behind the use of vasopressors in the critically ill patient, uh, the more disturbing it is. So I thought I'd allow you to make some high-level concluding comments about vasopressors in 2007 in the critically ill patient. I would say that the data available so far suggests that there is no one vasopressor that is superior to the other. And the issue is not to, to, to select the best vasopressor, but to avoid as much as possible to treat the patient with vasopressor. Of course, when they are severely hypertensive, vasopressors are needed. But we all should keep in mind that when we have introduced vasopressors to these patients, the next step is to stop them as early as possible. Those are the exact points that Dr. Vincent made, almost word for word, that early, aggressive resuscitation is what matters, and it isn't a matter of keeping the number on the screen, the mean arterial pressure, exactly right with the pressors. The idea is what can we do to optimize the outcomes and get the patients off the pressors as soon as is safely possible. Um, I've had the great pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Jalali Anand, um, and we've been talking about different vasopressors for the critically ill patient. And this is an audio companion to a presentation that he gave at this year's Congress. And uh, Dr. Anand, um, with all your great work with steroids and the critically ill patient, I wish we could take another hour and talk about that. But I'm really, really grateful you could be with us today on the podcast. Thank you very much. This concludes our podcast for Sunday, February 18th, 2007. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please call the Society of Critical Care Medicine's audio feedback line at 1-847-493-6498 to share your thoughts. For the iCritical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Richard Savell. Discover successful strategies on how to achieve the maximum benefits of nutrition therapy at the 6th Summer Conference in Intensive Care Medicine. 
Nutrition as a Therapeutic Agent to Improve Critical Care Outcomes, to be held June 14th through the 16th, 2007, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Developed by the Society of Critical Care Medicine and the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine, this conference will cover topics such as the benefits and limitations of select nutrients, successful strategies involved in enteral and parenteral nutrition therapy, and similarities and differences in international nutrition guidelines. Register today by visiting www.sccm.org or calling 1-847-827-6888.